unfair. <laughs> you unfair that was a born with a stripe. Outrageous. <laughs> Welcome to Atlas Bop, a weekly chronicle concerning the mundane, weird, and maybe even sometimes dramatic happenings of a simple fantasy baseball league. This podcast captures the thoughts and musings of Greg, Joe, Jack, and Tim, four of the ten owners in the league. This is episode 10, entitled Pure Macho Bullshit. It's great to see you. It's great to be here. Joe, it's good to see you. Good to see you again. Nice. Well said. And Jack? Greetings. Okay, we had some great games in week seven of the Juices League. And uh, I'd like to start out with uh, Mr. Blonde's Heroes against the Funkin' Punks. And after Greg made some trades uh, a few weeks ago, he's actually been on a bit of a run here. 44 points against Funkin' Punks, 41 points. Had some great performances out of Mazzara, a young stud down in Texas, also Edward Suarez. Yankee staff gave him a serviceable seven and a half points. Yeah, every one of my trades contributed to my my victory last week. You know, every every one of them, really. Uh, dating back to the preseason, Jose Abreu, who I traded for Edwin Encarnacion. I also got Mazzara in that trade. Those guys played a factor into it. Um, you know, Altuve was nothing short of my my team's hero last week. Suarez had a really strong week uh, just as Carpenter starts to falter. So, you know, despite the fact that I'm looking towards the future and I'm I'm not uh, delusional in that my team is the lowest scoring, I still think that um, that my trades improve my team, not just for the future, but in the present. And uh, I think my, my record bears that out. And, uh, you know, so we'll see. Um, it's such a tightly packed league right now that um uh, i'm gonna always try to win and so we'll, we'll see what happens um that, that is true know. though jose obreu was the number one first baseman right last week mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's been cold but still right. hitting over 300 and i mean he he could be pretty strong for the rest of the season right because you think he's going to get to three right. runs he's going to do that and um i think he fell in last week behind uh justin smoke uh, first baseman for Toronto, but just barely. Uh, you know, I'm happy with the the direction of the team. I I I don't want to ever just throw in the towel. I like to either play spoiler or have an outside outside shot. Uh, but I think I've uh, accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. I, I uh, it was a good win. Uh, omission commission for me this week. I'm off to a good start. I picked up um, Matt Adams today because I felt like you know what this guy's going to get traded to the Braves. He's going to want to make a statement, and he, he hit a home run today, so I'm, I'm, I'm psyched about it. While I still feel that you will um, 
end up regretting one of the greater fantasy catchers of all time. I will step back and, and, and it is obviously math is math and, uh, the Altuve Suarez connection obviously worked out for you to the tune of almost 13 points this week. So while you did have the projected 1.8 from Matt Wieters, you know, if the rest of those guys are able to put up the numbers, I mean, Matt Wieters wasn't any worse than all the catchers in the league, except that's right. I don't even know what pose he got this week, but I think my catcher got a point eight, so you beat oh. me by a one. So yeah, uh, Joe, Joe just held up three fingers. Uh, Posey yeah. got three points, and go. Posey's going to be playing first base next year, like Joe Mauer. So uh, I'm not, you know, and, and Altuve is <laughs> going to be ripping 220 hits for the next five years. So. <laughs> we'll see. Um, the other things that stood out for me this game, Springer with a 1.8. Obviously, we're going to expect more out of that guy moving forward. Are you Mazzara, getting tired of Springer? Five. Like, I, Springer's not having a season yet, is he? I mean, he's really struggling. I mean, he's like a lot of the young players we've talked about um, to a greater or lesser extent, the Chris Bryants and players like that. You know, he, he he's definitely talented. He didn't come out of nowhere. He was a heralded prospect. He's got uh, four tools, at least, if not five tools. and He's going to be a good player. It's just uh, he's, he's three years he's older than he's three year older than uh, Brian. He's twenty seven. I'm not. I'm not yeah, saying he's, he's Brian. He's a I year mean, away from not being able to trade him to Scott. Yeah, he's he's right. He's at the Scotty line right now. I think he is a good player, and and so uh, you know he's going to have his growing pains. Baseball's a tough sport. On the other side, uh, the punks didn't have a whole lot of help anyway. They they actually ended with seven point two from Travis at second base, which kind of unexpected. So. You get something like that, you expect you might be able to win, but uh, a lot of twos and threes. Uh, I will point out Mark Reynolds with an exceptionally average 3.4. Congratulations, uh, Greg. And uh, again, you're right uh, right back in the thick of it, man. There you go. Thank you. So let's take a look at uh, Reardon Metal. Reardon Metal had a tight game against Bad Street. This is the second week in a row Bad Street has lost a close game. This game was tied going into Sunday. Uh, Joe in Reardon Metal ended up pulling it out 41 to 39, but it was still in question late on Sunday afternoon. And it was all about pitching. If you look at the two pitching scores, you had Bad Street with a almost a nine, and the Washington Nationals for Reardon Metal were at 3.45, and they tripled their score between Saturday and Sunday by the skin of their teeth by winning a game on Sunday. Everybody underperformed. They, they they were looking at their press clippings. We had a club meeting halfway through the week and said, who's going to step up? It was the same guy as always. It was Trout. And a guy we traded for the week before, Garcia. I was going to say, a 20-point 20 uh, point outfield week will, uh, will, will make up for some of those uh, lesser pitcher uh, scores. Which is interesting on a team that... that Everybody agreed had a weak outfield going into the season. Yeah, yeah, I think you. I mean, uh, what do you what do you think you need to do, Joe, to to feel more comfortable moving forward? You know, you squeaked uh, it out, but I mean, are you uh, a staff? You know, away? it's it's quite. I I thought I had a great staff going into this, and what's funny is I I looked at player performance tonight and realized there there are three free agent staffs better than what I have. It happens, but. I, I I still think the Nationals are going to be fine. Well, congratulations on the win. That's another commanding win, and again, reinforcing the confidence that, uh, at least my confidence in your team, that you've had all year long. Great job. So let's go over to Jack Swack's Packs in the Omission Commission. And this game was closer than I thought it was going to be. Omission Commission had been kind of uh, on a down week coming into this game, thought they might come back. But Jack Swack's Packs 
takes the lead in the Griffey division, uh, 45 points to 42 points. This was a commanding win for Jack's Wax Packs, and it uh, looked like a balanced effort all across the board except catcher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I got uh, I got that point eight um, from uh, from old Evan Gaddis this, this week. Uh, you know, uh, catchers, like I said, my, my scores have been low pretty consistently. Goldschmidt Murphy with the fives. Um, uh, Batista, the 7.2. That guy was uh, uh, about a week and a half from being uh, taken out. So uh, nice to have him back. That was nice. And then, of course, uh, consistently, as usual, uh, my Dodgers, 9.85. And, uh, yeah, the commission, I, I, I actually had him beat pretty damn bad going into the weekend uh, to the point where, uh, I, I, you know, I wasn't really stressing checking scores. I got a lot going on at the moment. So uh, that led me to leave Miguel Cabrera in at DH for two to three days without him actually mm-hmm. playing, which kind of sucked. But, um, yeah, he had a big run at the end. My guys kind of shut down over the weekend. Um, but thankfully, I was able to hold him off. You guys feel comfortable at this point uh, predicting any of these division races with the exception of maybe Mikey's division? Yeah. Not even Mikey's division. Given how yeah. high and low his scores are, I wouldn't say comfortable. I would, you know, I disagree with you, Joe. I, I would, I would be willing to put my my house on uh, on Mikey at this point, barring an, mm. uh, you know an injury or two. Really? Is that more based on the fact that you know that Chris isn't likely to make moves? That he's going to just he's going to be more willing to consolidate and go for next year, right? Correct. And Pops correct. isn't really going to make any noise. My guess is right. Correct that that and 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 maybe not. I mean this you know this podcast is changed a, a you know a little bit of everybody so maybe all of a sudden chris you know drops a game or two and realizes that uh that he should move a guy or two i think pops is out of it and, and again eventually he's going to listen to these so i'm sorry pops but you know I, I think he's out of it and i just know chris yeah he, he is um i don't expect him to make many moves but i definitely don't expect him to give up on his youth mm-hmm. um with the effort of trying to win this year so you know mike can play 500 ball for the rest of the season and he should have that division. So what's the square footage on your house, Jack? I, yeah, you what? said you'd bet your house on it. <laughs> you got an in-ground pool there? I like it. I like it. Okay. Uh, well, last week, 47 Ronin got their asses kicked by lethal injection, 53 to 42. Uh, it wasn't a contest at all, all week long. Although, Lucroy did get me a 4.2. It was wasted on a crap week. It is actually the seventh week in a row that the pitching staff on my bench has outscored the pitching staff that I've started. I don't have anything else other than say, you know, I hate fantasy baseball. This might be the biggest surprise of the season for me. I really thought that everybody else in the league was just competing to get into the series against your team. But uh, I'm genuinely surprised to see this. And uh, knowing what a, um, a gamer you are, I can't help but wonder, you know, you don't, you're not a sit back and let's see if these guys uh, reach their their anticipated level kind of guy. So I cannot wait to see what moves you have cooking up in that mind of yours. Well, I, I still don't feel settled on my team, uh, you know, and, and normally at this point, seven weeks in, I'm pretty comfortable and I just keep my lineup in and I and I go and I still I mean, I I benched Stanton this week and put in Billy Hamilton. Mm. Ooh. So, uh, you know, I, I Stanton, the only time Stanton gets out of my lineup is when he has his annual injury or mm-hmm. you know, baseball to the face. So, I, you know, I, I might just overmanage this sucker right out of the playoffs. Mm. We'll see. And for Billy Hamilton at that, I will, in Tim's defense, I will point out it's not by a huge margin by any means, but it looks like Tim has had the most points scored against him 
but not by a whole lot. This is one of those things where you lose a couple games in the first third of the season, and you're coming down the wire, and you need to win 11, and you're at 10, and you need to win one of your last two games, and you run up against it. It's just, it's not setting up well. I mean, if I make it, great. I'm not trying to be that jerk. I just, this team, I can't get a handle on this team, pitching or otherwise. So we'll see. And yet you're still at the top of the breakdown score. Well, here's the problem. I've not had a significant injury, and we know they're coming, right? So, so I can, I'm up there, and my record doesn't show it. So that means my, my potential point value gathering is going to go down because I'm going to have two to three injuries. So, that it, 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 I mean, it's just it's not lining up nice. And, and honestly, if I, get, if I get to a point, like I love rebuilding, you know, I, I will do that. I will I will move. I will move really good players, uh, young players, if I'm getting, you know, good value in return. But I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. But, hmm, interesting. Uh, yeah, I've had a weird, weird feeling about this season. You have my number. I do. I do. I call it often. Now, rounding out the fifth game of the week, we had the Dreamers uh, really beating St. Locash pretty, pretty hard, 50 to 41. And uh, the Dreamers, although starting to wake up, starting to pay, I think a lot of us were paying attention to them. They lost Freddie Freeman for several months. Yeah. So uh, he had, uh, he had 10 at bats last week and already had a 4.2. So he went three for 10, two home runs, five ribbies, five runs, two walks, and he's out. I mean, that wrist is broken. He's out 10 weeks. So unless they make the playoffs, he is a non-factor and they are, Crying in their beers. I was texting them because I'm playing them this week, talking some crap, and all they could talk about were all their injuries. So I don't know. I still think this team is pretty good, but Freeman was really the centerpiece of their team. They replaced him with Belt. Uh, Gary Sanchez, you know, still pretty good, but, eesh, you know, they just have not had that good luck. Yeah, they got Freeman, Donaldson, and Story all on their uh, their DL mm-hmm. right now. You know, mm-hmm. that that's a team, though, that seems to have a window of opportunity this year based on how every other team is performing. And they have a pretty good pool of younger talent, but I don't, I'm surprised that I haven't seen any moves on their part. You know, I have, uh, maybe they're going on behind the scenes but they seem like they they have some opportunity and and we've made it no secret you know i've made it no secret that players are available and uh so you'd think that you you'd see an aggressive move or two because they're not far off. i mean they're winning they, they they won going away last week if they get one or two players just to tie them over and if it costs them a prospect they're to me in a position to make some of those deals and i, I just i haven't seen it happen has anybody traded with them in the last year and a half yeah i have I, I traded uh, Yelich to them uh, prior to the season for their second round player pick this year and their second round player pick next year. They're willing to trade. I, you know, I mentioned earlier, I did the. Who'd you deal with? Did you deal with Eldon or did you deal with Dusty? Eldon. Well, I mean, I think they consult one another, but it was directly with Eldon. And, and mm-hmm. now I, th- I think that they're falling a little bit into a mindset that they're set. They, they're, they have a stockpile of talent and they can just wait till they get healthy. And that might well be true, but you know, you guys know that the windows and the opportunities to win don't come along very often. And might it be worth it to to make an aggressive move and give up something uh, on a shot on a year when there's it's anyone's? I think it's anybody's um, chance, except for maybe mine. Yeah, and well, you got you know you got Joe's team there too. Joe's not. I mean, he's won three in a row. You know, he, they're uh, almost virtually the same on the points four. So you've got that there. The the interesting thing with these guys is that they've won. They started out well, one and three. They've won three in a row as they've lost 
three of their four starting mm-hmm. infielders. Uh, story one week, uh, you know, Don or Donaldson story, and uh, and now Freeman, and uh, and they're winning while this is happening. So sometimes shit just doesn't make sense. I'd, I'd have to go back and do some math and see how much Freeman represents of their hitters in terms of total point production. But a I lot. would imagine it's yeah. Yeah, what a what a tough break for Freeman, a wrist injury like that. You know, is he going to be another Justin Morneau? You know, never uh, never bounce back from the power hitter. You know, I mm. I tell you what, I tough. I said he wasn't going to have a good year, but this isn't the way I wanted to see him not have a good year. I mean, that that just I, I hate to see a guy get hit in the wrist and go down like that. Well, you can pretty much count on a year of uh, before the power comes back. Wrist injuries are uh, that's the worst. So Griffey Division stands like this: Jacks, Wax, Packs. At four and three is the uh, top team in the division. Got uh, 47 Ronin, Funkin' Punks, and Mr. Blonde's Heroes all at three and four. In the Bonds division, we have Lethal Injection at five and two, best record in the league. And we have St. Locash at three and four. And then Bad Street, two losses in a row, now sit at two and five. In the McGuire division, Reardon Metal, Omission Commission, and the Dreamers all knotted up at four and three. And this is going to be, again, I think we talked about this preseason, a real interesting division to watch and uh see you know who ends up coming out or you know in this case it could actually be two teams that come out of here we'll be able to see but uh and on the power rankings got lethal injection 47 ronin reared metal top three bottom three bad street funk and punks and mr blonde's heroes so uh gentlemen thank you very much for your uh weekly synopsis and coming up we're going to have the owner of the saint locash stink fist join us for a call We have the owner of St. Locash Stink Fist, Chris. He'll be on the call with us, and uh, I apologize in advance. We had some technical difficulties on the Skype call. He was actually upside down. We had some pretty tough audio issues as well. But if you pay attention, listen to what Chris says. He's got a lot of uh, really neat things to say, and he's funny as hell. Hope you enjoy. So I'm really excited to be talking to you, Chris. It's been a heck of a long time since I've seen you, and uh, super happy to have you on the podcast. Now, um, we've known each other for more than two decades, and uh, from as long as I can remember, you have been a fan of the Pittsburgh teams, right? So you were talking the Pirates, we're talking the Steelers, and we're talking the Penguins, and then your basketball team's the Heat, right? Miami Heat. So I I met you in Florida. Why are you a fan of Pittsburgh teams? I don't know. I just found an early five boom, probably four or five years old. I could have had something to do with it. I was four or five and they won. So it was the the Steelers were your gateway team into the Pittsburgh market. Living in Port St. Lucie, how the heck did you follow uh, the Pirates? Because it, it was just the Braves, right? Or the Cubs? Was it the game of the week? It was all newspaper back then. They were never on all newspaper. And was it true that it was your job to go through the newspaper and actually tally the scores? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had to do a lot of trips to the library to catch up on games with the newspaper. Oh. Did you really? Yep. Good time. Yeah, because the you know the East Coast papers would come out and and wouldn't have 
the the final West Coast tours. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we would miss the late would, game, not included. Late game. Yep, exactly. So yeah, yeah we, we'd have half the scores by getting the papers, and then he'd have to go and, uh, and collect the remainder of the scores. Holy crap! Did you get paid for this? Uh, that's a later on. I think I started to get money deducted later on. He was well respected. I just imagine that would have been a royal pain in the ass, to tell you the truth. Yeah. So there's a lot of legend that swirls around you. Is it true that you actually saw Prince Fielder in Orlando when he was 16 years old, and that's why you drafted him? No, he was playing in uh, Aaron Island High School when I drafted him. I didn't see him. Man. I had nothing to do with following him. How are you able to find the young players that you do and then draft him? So like Prince Fielder, how did you even know about Prince Fielder? Uh, can't tell you that, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, you probably heard Mikey tried to say that, and Jack did remind everyone you're in the trust tree. So can you can you share a little with us that wouldn't maybe give away the secret sauce, but it would at least kind of give people some insight? Because you've hit on a lot of them. Baseball America, a lot of their stuff. I mean, it's stuff everyone has. There. Right, right. So, Chris, you have definitely scouted and, and, and added more high school players and, and younger players than uh, than anyone else in the league. So w was it a, a conscious effort at, at one point to kind of shift gears? And, uh, you know, I, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, how saturated the minor league market is with all these players. So did you kind of, was it a, a, a mental thing to, you know what, I'm going to, if I'm, I'm not going to fight with all these guys to get them here, I'm going to go down here and get them early and hope I hit with one or two of them. Was that the thought process? Yeah, I mean, a crapshoot, but you could get the next age Yeah, I wasn't going to bring him up. <laughs> you did. You had Harper as a high schooler, correct? A six, 16, was that right? Yeah, he was 16. I leaped out of high school. I, it's just, it's amazing how you're able to do that. You know, some of the things that we've talked about, and I don't know if you've heard this or not, but we were talking about your in-season pickups, your ability to find those players that are having a great season and continue to have that great season. Obviously, Ryan Zimmerman this year. Ryan Zimmerman is playing better than he's ever played before. What was it? Did you just see that he was doing better? Did you hear something? Did you, I mean, it, that was insane. And then uh, it was uh, last year, it was the, what, third baseman for Cleveland, right? Yeah, Ramirez, yep. Yeah. Pilar, yeah. I think, was one of those yeah. as well. I think uh, a yeah, middle season pickup. Ramirez and Lamb are doing pretty yeah, well, Lamp just won Player of the Week. I mean, obviously, you were playing fantasy baseball at a young age. I mean, has, has playing fantasy baseball changed your relationship with actual baseball? I mean, you know, clearly you know a lot about what's going on. Has has fantasy baseball changed that at all? I mean, you definitely pay attention to players' death. Way more than mm -hmm. than you only cared about your favorite team. You guys watch, watch other players, but you didn't really care about their death. Mm -hmm. Definitely pay more attention to numbers, I would say. As far as the game, I'd probably still watch it the same as I do now. Mm -hmm. But yeah, definitely stat wise. Chris, I'd like your opinion on something. You think, you know, I'm a, I'm a super Pirates fan as well, and I've been talking about uh, a lot of things about the Pirates on the podcast. Jung Ho Gung, do you think he makes it back this year? You know, I know none of us are lawyers, as far as I know. Probably wouldn't be friends with you guys if you were. But uh, does, uh, can I have your opinion on that? I, I'm, I'm actually at the point now where I firmly believe that we've seen the last game that he's played in a Pirates uniform. I don't think he's making it back this year, for sure. But I, I think he'll be back next year. I hope so. Anyway, as long as he stay out of cars while he's drunk, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Designated driver, Jung Ho. You've got the money. Got the money. Get a Tesla car. Let it drive around. 
Yeah, I'd love to see him back. I could see the Pirates, you know, potentially moving him for a nobody. We'll see. Yeah, I could see him getting rid of Cole real soon here, too. Yeah. Uh, Bad time at Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, Joe Joe sent me a text last week that really uh, excited me at the prospect of it. Um, he'd, he'd read some rumor. Where was that, Joe, on MLB.com? That was on MLB at bat, although I was watching MLB Network today, and they mentioned the fact that Cole was likely to be moved. They, the had, they that, said nothing about that particular player, though. Yeah, the rumor that, that Joe sent me, and I, I reacted and Joe was like, oh, I didn't mean to upset you. I was like, upset me. That would be the best news ever was uh, Jose Altuve for Cole. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I was really? like, wow, that signed me up for that. I'm not I'd a, fuck up your I'm fantasy team, though. Cole. Yeah, but I, but, yeah, but real life, that'd be exciting to have him as a Pirates player. Actually, probably bad cleanup for the Pirates. So Altuve is going to hit anywhere. Yeah. I have a question for Chris. What's the story behind the constant name changes? Oh, I don't know. Fixing it up. And they're very entertaining. We go on a roll and we change the name. Fuck real bad and we change the name. If his name stays the same for a consistent amount of time, that means that they're just average. <laughs> it's, it's when they, <laughs> they make a huge run one way or the other, that's when he makes the name change. Sometimes it just matters who you're playing. If the team is playing so well for a few weeks, or obviously due to explode, but sometimes that happens negatively and sucks the way it is when you play head-to-head. We talked about that that last week, the head-to-head and, and you know versus and how it really in our league for the most part has settled in to to be correct. We you know once in a while we mentioned Greg I think a couple uh, uh, years ago got snubbed if you will due to the head-to-head, but but in this league it you know for the most part it tends to to settle itself out. Yeah, there's the element of chance, right? There there is a bit of gambling in here that you just don't meet a hot team at the wrong time. You know certainly smooth it out in the playoffs a little. Um, even then, we still have craziness that happens. Um, I, I remember the infamous World Series with the, which I don't know what hurricane it was, right, between Chris and Joe, it just wreaked havoc all up the Midwest. And I think Chris ended up winning, right? He ended up winning that that World Series, right? Yeah, I got lucky because they moved the game to a different stadium. Well, last but- year, you know, Jose Fernandez, that party animal, cost me possibly the World Series because they canceled the Marlins game to mourn for him. And, of course, Yelich was a key member of my team last year. Thanks a lot, Jose Fernandez. I think we all agree he was pretty selfish. Now, now that we know the whole story. Of course. <laughs> Look at me. I got so little, Jose. God, I don't have a boat. Barely been on a boat. I just want to win a fantasy baseball league. So, I mean, Chris, there was a period of time there where you were lining them up and knocking them down. I mean, you took guys and took them all the way to retirement. Would you have changed the way you built the team? Would you have given up one of those wins to maybe have a younger team that would have extended it? Or were you kind of locked in? Well, I had Barry Bonds. You know, but that was, I, I just remember that was a hell of a run. Right. Yeah, yeah. that was it. So I, I think what he's asking is after Barry left, then you, you won couple championships it was it in a row or in a few years there and then he left and then you became irrelevant for a little while after that so it what is it was he worth it holding on to him and getting the championships and then just losing one of your best players for nothing or looking back would you have sacrificed a championship to try to rebuild a little bit quicker when i was a small child i sent very buns a letter and uh mailed me back one of his used syringes <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was worth it. He gave me some championships. So you've listened to some of the podcasts, man. So so give us some feedback. What should we get rid of? What should we keep? What do you like about it? What do you think? Um, maybe some fireworks. <laughs> That's good. It's okay if you say get rid of Joe. 
it was entertaining. I have a question for you. What and think about this one. It might take you a second to to really think about it, and that's okay. What would you say is the worst fantasy trade that you've ever made? Oh man, are we really gonna go there? <laughs> well, I like to I like to raise players all the way from mother and high school, so I can trade them for two pieces of shit. <laughs> <laughs> And there's our fireworks. Boom. So I, I assume you're referring to the uh, Bryce Harper to Tim deal. Yeah. What are you going to do? Which you received a very high prospect at the time. Uh, several. It does. Sorry about that. I just had to take the opportunity to bust your balls. Yeah. And the good thing is, Chris, that because of a trade that happened a couple weeks ago, um, who knows that we could end up having you may end up having the second worst trade of all time um just depending on a couple of players and i won't name any names but um (laughs) is is this why you must have uh, a man crush on buster posey you're you're so bitter (laughs) i've won the two of my last three games and and, in no small part because of altuve ditto for posey You know, Posey's going to be the next Joe Maurer. He's going to be manning first base for the Giants as a beloved former killer catcher who's now a decent first baseman. And trust years. me, no, and that'll, that'll be, be and no, that'll be in, next year, in a year or and a half. Absolutely, Altuve is going to be uh, cleaning up. You know, hitting like Rod Carew when he's forty-three. I mean, it's not an epically bad trade. I've won two or three games since I made that trade. It was it was a fair trade all the way around. I won't say that, but it, you didn't it. get harpered. Thank God. <laughs> Jack Jack's just bitter because he's one half of the dullest trade in uh, league history. That that swap for catchers okay. last week last week was like oh god, what a game changing trade. No, the Saturday trade I think or Sunday yesterday. Yeah, Martin for uh, for uh, Molina. Sure that was did. a big one. My uh, stable of mediocre catchers is quite full at this point. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just so saying. cool that you didn't want to shuffle them around, though. Let's uh, let me get a, let me trade one of my mediocre catchers, get another mediocre catcher in exchange, yeah, that's right. so Slightly that down the road mediocre. I can uh, engineer another uh, trade of mediocre catchers. Oh this damn it! That was my this first coming draft. from a guy that has picked up three of the players that I dropped two years ago when my team really sucked. So they they that's this new launch angle uh, batting um, craze that's that's taken off. Logan Morrison. Yonder Alonzo, they're all that launch angle, whatever that bullshit is. They're Ryan yeah, exactly. It, it's working for them. They're going to strike out a little bit more, but who cares? Which leads us back to a good pickup in the middle of the season, Ryan Zimmerman. Yeah, Chris. Uh, I, you know, I don't know how you do it, Chris, but I mean, you see something, you hear something. I don't know what it is or where it is. You don't have to disclose it, but damn. Well, with him, he was just he was doing really well already. Yeah, but there's there's a bunch of guys that come out of the gate strong for whatever reason, and 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 if the answer is luck, I would not say that and pretend like you have some other thing. Uh, but you seem to you, you you. It's not like you pick up nine of them. You pick up one or two, and they overperform. There's there's no way I was picking up Ryan Zimmerman. I saw it. I saw him hitting home runs. Like, it's fucking Ryan Zimmerman for Christ's sake. I'm not picking him up. You know, for some reason you touch him, and and you know, again, like I said, he might not last all season for you, but if you get two or three wins out of it, and then all of a sudden your your Hosmer gets back to where you want him, or uh, you're able to to do it again with some other guy three weeks down the line, then you know, again, Chris is obviously one of the originals. He's been around for a while, and um, 
you know, we were just talking about, again, the youth movement and, and you know, about a, a lot of the owners in the league are, are you know, at that less than 27 mindset. Uh, and I think you may have touched on it at one point, Tim, um, as a, a potential experiment. But there's definitely the opportunity right now to, to go out and get a bunch of 30-some-year-old guys as long as they're all hitting at the same time, winning a championship and then having to deal with uh, rebuilding afterwards. But the push is definitely for the uh, for the youth right now. There's no doubt about it. But even the, the ability to find someone like that and just insert them in a lineup where you need them. But, yeah, I, I do think that there is, if you look at the free agents and you you just, anybody over the age of 27, you could feel the team. Yeah, yeah, you get a win every now and then with a, a group of, mm-hmm. you know, Pilars and, and Reddicks and, and Zimmermans and, yeah, absolutely. Then you have Chris's ability to add in a couple of these guys that are hot and ride those streaks, and then you could kind of push up over 50%. If you're over 50% in the scoring, then you've got a chance. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Hey, Chris, I wanted to um, I wanted to bring up again, um, you know, you have and, and, and have had, in my opinion, um, one of the better minor, minor league systems. Um, and, and again, this is a league where everybody's got a solid minor yeah. system. Um, but some of these guys you've held on to, and 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 again, um, you know, I, I know I've tried. Shit, I must have tried to get Bryce Harper a, a fucking dozen times, and uh, it was unsuccessful. Um, I guess I should have picked up a shitty pirate. But um, that kind of is following that path, not to that level, and a guy that you've had to be a little more patient with. Uh, but I have tried to get him from you a few times, and again, gotten shot down. I, I bet you're happy about that right now. Is uh, is Michael Conforto? Yeah, he's doing pretty good this year so far. I didn't start him for the first few weeks. I didn't know that he was going to be good playing time as he is. I've brought him in to use him now probably a little later than I should have. Yeah, well, still, that's got to be promised. You got your two high scores this week were, what, 26-year-old Lamb and, and what's Conforto, 24? 23? Yeah, it was luckier in St. Lucie. Well, right before he got called up, he went straight up. So you're, you're, Chris is in uh, Fort St. Lucie, Florida. So did you see Conforto in the minors down there? Or, or yeah, I, you think, just... I think it was you that I called. I saw you about him cracking it up in 1A ball, and he was young. I thought it was you I told about him. It probably was because I picked him up in the other league, and I'm now starting him too. So. He's actually good. I went to a bunch of 1A games like two, two years ago. Do you take in a lot of the games? Um, I haven't really gone to many last year. I haven't gone to any of the 1A games this year either. I like to go when I have the time. Chris, will you go? I read today that they're uh, likely to promote Tebow to the poor St. Lucie Mets. Oh, man, I'm there. <laughs> I mean, just out of morbid curiosity. I want to see him hit a home run and then Tebow. Can you flecked on third base? I, I hate the guy. I hate him hate him and i would buy a ticket what yeah of course I, well I the article i read today said that it's a financial move for the mets because they don't own the low a team that he plays for right now but on average for the games that he's played he's increased their uh gate attendance by 2200 people a game wow and if those people spend between their ticket and concessions spend twenty dollars each that's $44,000 a game uh, of revenue that he's generating just by being there. And so That's the huge. Mets own the Port St. Lu- the Port St. Lucie Mets. And so they're thinking that they, they would bring him up so they could reap the benefit of that. The article went as far as to say that if the Mets are well out of it in September, that they, 
wouldn't that this particular writer wouldn't be surprised if the Mets gave Tebow uh, a September call up, even if it was just for the final homestand. It, wouldn't that be the most cynical move ever, though, to bring Tebow up just to sell some fucking Mets jerseys? And <laughs> it's a business, dude. No, no, I, I get combining the commerce and the like, stated desire to win. I get that it's a balance, it's a fine line. Right. But that is naked cynicism. And to bring up a Tebow so who would be so, at this point, clearly undeserving, you know, just to sell some fucking hot dogs or whatever they, they're going to sell at, at City, City Park or whatever it is. I mean, that, that goes beyond business into, like, insulting to me. I, that's, that's No, I, yeah, I, I can see people getting insulted, but it is just I, 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 as somebody that wouldn't financially benefit from it, I... I tend to agree with you however if i was on that side of the coin you got damn right i would um 2200 extra fans at a at a I, I mean how many fans could they have had then this is an mlb their average episode. here is like maybe 500 people a game so I don't right right, I was right. Gonna say. Oh, yeah. no i get it in the minors yeah. I, I definitely get it in the minors well and what a fucking psycho tebow must be to allow himself to be used like that you know, he's to allow a, himself to be like, you know, he, he, he's he got to be the most delusional motherfucker, you know, to think that, oh, you know, what? I deserve the September call up to say to the to the management, like, hey, listen, guys, you're going to embarrass the shit out of me by bringing me up to the majors. You know, I get it, dude. You want to sell some tea? That's because his he's an entertainer, man. Like he uh, he gets it. He's a television personality. This is a we live in an age where it's all about getting those eyeballs, man. It's it's. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I totally buy into what you're saying about honor and, and I'm a fucking sap because I believe in that. But I, I just I've seen too much. I've seen too much of the major leagues. I, I do think that the managers uh, in particular do build that and, and it's tough on the manager. So if you want to think about the manager of the Mets, who, you know, may not even be there, but, um, you know, to have to manage that. I don't think it's ever been, frankly. I mean, you go back through the history of the game. It's gimmick after gimmick after gimmick to get people in the seats. And if you can't put a winning team on the field, then, you know, what else are you going to do? To a point, yeah. yeah. I, while we're talking about Tebow, I will point out, you guys know I have a bit of a sports background. And um, so I actually met Tim, and um, we, we had him out. Oh, you're on a first-name basis? I am not on a first-name basis. I was pretty sure he was a dick before I met him. And then I met him and removed all doubt. Mm. <laughs> Tim Tebow was a dick. Um How's his HQ, Tim? Low. Super low. No, man. He's not even in the same freaking universe. But man. he might be. If no. he'll sell some uh, some tickets that, you know. Nope. 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 I think HQ includes excellent play, don't you? I mean, I think one feeds on the other. Well, but that, that's that's but Tebow defies the need for excellent play. He's gonna be called up to the majors despite a lack of excellent play. So I think we need to consider him. Because he's a shill. Right, well, he's that's, a so shill. I think we need to consider his abs, you know, relative to uh, his HQ, despite his subpar performance on the field. Can somebody <laughs> explain to the old fucker what HQ is? Handsomeness <laughs> quotient, Joe. Do you remember? We were Joe. I thought it was Ben Attendee quotient. I'm sorry. No, no, it's handsome no. quotient. You know, that's, a, that's, our, that's our new stat. We when we, um, you know, we had talked about the old league and then switching over to the new league, and we haven't really gotten into, you know, all that, but um, once we started the new league, do I remember correctly? And I know I could go back and check, but it was you, me, and Tim won the first six championships, correct? Of, of the juice list in, in one way or the other. Is that right? Uh, I won the first two. I'm much better at year to year. Baseball, obviously. But, <laughs> yeah, I won the first. 
so here's here it is it's uh so saint low cash 2008 2009 the philadelphia experiment in 2010 ronin in 2011 and 12 uh philadelphia so a uh, philadelphia experiment which is the, the philadelphia experience was the jack's wax packs of uh these years in 2013 and then joe stepped in in 2014 ridden metal won that and then i've won the last two that was like when so the that is correct. nhl had six teams right <laughs> it was eight. Oh it yeah eight, but yes so yes. in this case, Joe would be the San Jose the Sharks. Bruins, but except that, for a yeah. hurricane, I would have won two, okay? <laughs> Joe got his ass kicked by a Benigno multiple Three times. Times. First three times. <laughs> well, how do you think uh, you're – I mean, you've got Mikey in your division, which is a tough draw this year, Chris. I mean, do you think you can give him a run for the division title? I, I know you're down two, two games right now, but he seems gettable. It seems like he's either hot or cold. Does that change the way you look at the rest of the season? Like, do you start to think about maybe, maybe I go a different way this year to build for next year, or you think it's too early? If I drop another one or two, yeah, I'll probably if anybody wants Boston. So, Chris, any what you want to ask us any questions? We just interviewed you and then went off on several tangents. But you know, is there anything that you'd like to ask us? No, Chris. I, I what one more question? Um, is it in fact true as you texted me at ten twelve this morning? Um, is it true that you sold your team for a box of crackers? Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> And did they take Polanco, or did they just say, go ahead, keep him? Yeah, no, they left him, along with Martha. They take these shitty pirates. <laughs> were they chicken and a biscuit crackers? I mean, that might be worth it. No, they were unsalted. You got a, you got a big week this week. Um, again, you're playing Mikey uh, this week, so um, oh, a huge game that. for you. If... Uh, <laughs> If you, if you could pull it off, you'll uh, be one game back. You'd be in good shape. And um, you'd be happy to know that as of right now, Mikey's team is 0 for 11 batting uh, for the night. So that's good. I could have used that yesterday. Thank you. We'll take it. Maybe his team will fall slumps if he has such a good week last week. Isn't he still first in points for the year? He is, yeah. 332 um, is his total, and um, myself, uh, Tim, and Joe are all fairly close to him. You're only 25 points back from him, Chris, for the season. So I mean, uh, you know, who knows? You get a uh, you get a big run by uh, by Lamb. You got big nuts in there still. Yeah, I'm not sure how much longer what they're gonna do with him and Buffer comes back and he's at like 180 or some shit. Yeah, well, connects every once in a while. Well, good luck, man. We, uh, I think everybody um, that has a, a shot at the playoffs at the moment is rooting for you because we all want to see Mikey lose. So, um, <laughs> so good luck this week, man. I hope you take him out. I right. concur. Do my best with my shitty team. <laughs> Chris, it's good to see you, man. Thank you for doing this. Really appreciate it. And uh, 
I miss you. I hope things are going well and hope everything's great with your family, your baby girls, and that business is good too. And and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Brad. Nice meeting you, Chris. Be good. Thanks, Chris. Chris. Come back. Take care, Brad. Love you, man. We'll talk to you soon. Love you, open a nice cold beverage, sit back, and listen to some completely irreverent shit. Guys, have, have you watched the show Brockmire? Joe, I know you have. You you actually recommended it to me. Yes. But Greg, Jack, have you guys seen that show? I've seen tons of ads. I uh, haven't caught any episodes yet. I, I love Hank Azaria, though. Well, yeah, I, I have not either. I saw the ads, was very interested, and then life happens. So, um, no, I have not caught any. So this is a Hank Azaria project. So he... he wrote it wrote directed it he stars in it and this is an amazing job that he's doing right now excuse me i don't i don't know how long he's going to be able to do it but the character development is phenomenal but really what i want to talk about is uh the in in the show there's this hank azaria and hank is a washed out play-by-play announcer for uh, i think it was the kansas city royals and uh, his, I won't even go into the story of, of how he washed out, why he washed out, but he resurfaces in this uh, tiny Pennsylvania town to be the play-by-play man for the uh, Frackers, which is the name of the town baseball team. And I am, I mean, there's so many great things about this show, but the, the, the character that I really relate to is the owner of the Frackers. And she has this completely irrational love of baseball that completely reminds me of us. Joe, I mean, do you get that same thing where she just, she sees the world through baseball, her connection to this shitty team in a shitty town, but the love of her dad and, and, and how he cared about the team and how she's trying to resurrect this team and how important it is to her. I mean, do you kind of see some similarities there? I absolutely do, and I I think that uh, the the in, enjoying the show involves enjoying her relationship with to Hank to Hank Azaria's character, in that he's totally forgotten his love of the game, and he gets it back slowly through his relationship to the owner of this team. It's it's beautiful to watch. It's so much fun. You know, it's this it's this great. Uh, American story about uh, you know a woebegotten town down on its luck. There's an evil oil company. I mean, it's got all these elements. Yet the character development is amazing. Uh, the I think the treatment of baseball. If you if you didn't even know what baseball was, you'd still think the show was phenomenal. Yet when you know what baseball is and our connection to baseball, it makes all the difference in the world. So I, I go ahead. You know, I was going to say, and, and and just watch the Kangaroo Court episode, and you'll get it. You'll you'll get the connection to the league. That's great. You know, uh, Kangaroo Court. You know, I was thinking about those this week. Uh, not to change the subject, but 
Don Mattingly. Did you guys see that uh, that Don Mattingly clip? There's these unwritten rules in baseball that don't seem to exist in other sports. I mean, the Penguins just put a beat down on the Senators yesterday, and right. there didn't seem to be any rule like the the hole up on that. But so Mattingly, who I've liked, you know, as Yankees go, uh, you know, was incensed apparently because uh, one of the one of the other guys on the other team swung on a three zero pitch. Oh yeah, you know, I did in hear a game about that. I did see. Were, I didn't even know that was a like rule. Five nothing. Well, yeah, right, exactly. And or that's an what, unwritten that's, rule. That, yeah, that's the contention. Is that an unwritten rule that you hit a young player up at bat in a game that they were winning five nothing in like the sixth or the seventh, and that instead of taking on three zero, he swung. I think I think there's a lot of these old rules lingering around the game, and so that 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 precipitated a bunch of brushback pitches and attempts to hit players and players getting hit. And then after the game, when they're asking Mattingly to kind of break down the bench clearing and all that stuff uh, in this interview it was classic. He mentioned swinging on a three Oh pitch like five times in two sentences, you know, and it's just, you know, the, the old school rules, the unwritten rules of baseball are incredible. When you think about the fact that these are young guys playing a game that they love. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm in the batter's box and I'm having a good day, you know, I, and it's five nothing. It's not like it was twenty five nothing. You know, I want to tee off with. Yeah, it, it was it was just hilarious, and it got me thinking. I think Joe and he, Joe and I even texted a little bit about like uh, kangaroo courts, and you read about or you you hear about the old kangaroo courts and the old clubhouses of years past, where you don't run out of ground ball, or you didn't you didn't uh, hustle, or you uh, failed to slide, and the the guys would levy fines against you. And I got to thinking that maybe we should. Uh, you know, institute a kangaroo court of our own for our league, you know, are there any <laughs> unwritten rules in our league? So if, uh, if we're just shellacking our opponent and it's Saturday and somebody gets hurt, is it appropriate to make a substitution or should we not? Joe? I think as somebody who acted as commissioner last year, and I use the word acted loosely, all our <laughs> rules are unwritten. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I think that um, we know that there's one is you can't make a trade in another league that as part of a trade in this league, we actually had that happen, Greg, where, right. Yeah. So that was you can't, one. Right. For the few of us that are in, in two leagues, you can't use one as leverage towards the other. So um, if you trade me this guy in this league and in, in the other you. league, I'll make you a favorable deal. Correct. Correct. Oh, so that was yeah, a fucking fun. weird phone um, call, Jack. When you called me, yeah, yeah, Jack called me, and I was on the road somewhere, and he's like, "You got a minute?" And that's usually like when Jack says that, like, "Oh fuck, what's up?" You know. And he takes me through this, and yeah, we actually found. I I won't say who it was, but um, there was one guy that kind of didn't know what was going on. There was another guy that knew exactly what was going on, and so yeah, there that that is definitely an unwritten rule. That's well, I'm gonna I'm gonna call bullshit to, then um, on on an unwritten rule this podcast. Name names, dude. You know, let, let's hear about it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what is this, the McNeil Lair report? Or are we gonna, we're gonna have some fun. Yeah. There was no one, no one on this podcast. Um, the the other two, there's two unwritten rules that jump out to me. One being um, that you field your best team no matter what. Yep. Um, oh yeah. Yep. You don't want to, you know, affect somebody else's opportunity for the playoffs because you're pissed off. You're trying to get the first draft pick or whatever the case may be. 
<clears throat> the other is, um, uh, and this has happened, you know, years ago. You 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 are not supposed to uh, trade a injured player uh, without the oh, other person's yeah. knowledge yep. of the injury. Yep. Um, there there was a time where you know a guy go down, and then all of a sudden he'd be offered out to six people before. <clears throat> and again, you know, the information age makes it a little quicker. Everybody's a little more aware earlier that these things happen, but it has happened where a guy's gotten traded. And, uh, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, what the, f-? you know, the guy's gone for six weeks. What the hell's going on? <laughs> oh, uh, must, no, have see, I, must have happened when he was getting on the bus to come to your team. <laughs> so, so I agree with the unwritten, the first unwritten rule about not just, uh, putting out a bad team to improve your draft stock, but that's second unwritten rule. That's as bullshit as Mattingly because listen, you know, none of us are actually in the clubhouses of these teams. So we all we're all getting information. I don't, to my knowledge, none of us know any uh, uh, training staff on any of these major league teams. So if if one of my players gets hurt and I look to move them, it's it's public information for God's sakes. If, well, yeah, yeah. Over time, it is. I do think with the information age, the the crosses come up that they've gotten better on getting the crosses up. But it's a good point, and and I think your whole point is the unwritten rules maybe worked for the time that they were in, but when times change, probably the rules should as well. And what you're saying is, well, shit, you know? Uh, Caveat emptor. Yeah. Let the buyer beware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, but going I, back to... Are, 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 we, are, are you calling Bob Gibson an asshole? Because if you hit a home run off of Bob Gibson, you were getting one right up underneath your whiskers. I think he's saying now, today. I don't think he's, I think he maybe it was. Well, I, I think he, I sort of got the feeling he didn't like any of that stuff. Oh, okay. Who, me? No, I, listen, I, I'm a, I'm a, I was known uh, as a terrible sport. Uh, I will admit that. Like I used to have opposing coaches, you know, after games that tell me, you know, you're a terrible sport, number five or whatever number I was. <laughs> and I, and I just look at him like, you know, he, this guy's an adult, but I was communicating with my eyes. Go fuck yourself, pal. <laughs> You know, because I was a terrible sport. So if Bob Gibson gets pissed off because somebody showboats it around the diamond and he drills him as a result of it, that's two competitors, um, you know, being fiery. If but you when, got, but, if you hit a home run off of Bob Gibson, the next one was going on your chin. That's fine, but but that's okay. okay. But here, here's I don't the, disagree with. You. Here's the difference. That's a pretty overt act, you know, hitting a home run, but offering up on a three zero pitch in the middle innings of a game. I, I guess it's all the degree to which you take umbrage to these types of offenses. You know, bat flip, or a very demonstrative action on the mound after you strike somebody out. Yeah, if I was the, on the other end of that, I'd be pissed off. Right, or but, a twenty second, uh, thirty second stroll around the bases after hitting a home run. <laughs> Those right. are all matters right. of degree. Those are affronts to an individual by another individual, in my opinion. So swinging on a three zero pitch, that's kind of an offense to the sensibility of the team or of the game. That you don't swing on a three zero pitch. You know it, that that to me is more. What nebulous. about what about bunting to break up a no hitter? Oh, that's, yeah, that's. Yeah, to bring or to bring your favorite player Kurt Schilling into it. What about not bunting when he had the bloody sock? Oh, as because because you don't want to make it unfair because the poor guy. Uh, if I'm foot. trying to, I, I that was well, the all World over Series of my life. But if if I'm trying to win the World Series, I'm bunting all over his ass to see yeah. if he can handle it. Yeah, get a fucking band aid. 
Sorry. No, yeah, I, I agree. That's that's Did fair someone game. not bunt against him because he had a bloody sock? Discussion between McCarver and whoever the other guy in the, the booth was, oh, they're not going to bunt because they're such gentlemen. We wouldn't yeah. do that. Back to, back to your question. Yeah, that you do not bunt on a no-hitter. That's just, no. uh, you know. Uh, granted, if, if, it's, if it's game 162 and, and you're a game out, and there's a guy on third, and you're you're tied, and you know I, I obviously go third, but yeah, I, I'm a a it's a hundred and sixty two fucking game, man. There's some things that are bigger than that game. But but if it's not, no, I, I'm with Joe. I mean, I I do acknowledge that it's an unwritten rule. I don't dispute that, Jack. But I I'm with Joe that that is bullshit because I'm trying to get a hit. You know, uh, that that's like saying. If somebody gets sawed off and it's a bloop into shallow right, then that's a mulligan because that wasn't a clean hit. You know, a bunts is a part of the game. Sure, not a hit. Sure it is. Yeah, of course it is. It's a hit. A bunt that registers as a hit. <laughs> a couple of years ago, Scherzer had that had that no hitter going in in Pirates against the Pirates. And Jose Tabata, piece of shit, you know, I'm glad he's off the team, failed to get out of the way of a Scherzer, like, fastball, and it, and it cost, Scherzer, cost Scherzer the perfect game. Okay. Like, like Tabata should have contorted himself no, to get no, out of that yeah. To not get out of the way is one thing. To lean into it, again... So I, you know, I understand we're trying to win. You know, that, that those are two different things, in my opinion. Yeah, okay, bunting... So it leaning in, trying to, you know, uh, to, that's just my opinion. But So to go back to Bob Gibson, if Bob Gibson hangs a curveball and you hit it out of the park, the next time you come up, he drills you in the forehead. It's part of the unwritten rules. Is he, is he wrong? Well, don't hang the fucking curveball, jackass. Or, <laughs> I, I think, and, and maybe I'm just not paying as much attention to the game these days. I don't know. But it, it seems like that has changed. And, and now it takes a stare, a bad flip. Like I said, Machado taking fucking 30 seconds to get around the bases. Uh, you know, those type of things, for the most part, it seems like is what it takes to get the, uh, uh, the retaliation these days. So it's not simply hitting a home run. Um, well, it's like stealing a base when you're in a blowout. Isn't there anything to be said? Like these guys are been hardwired to play this game since well, they were children, and that's no, just part of good, smart baseball. I point. mean, the, the author's point was of that piece about Mattingly was like, guys, you're grown fucking men. Why do you have such thin skins? You know, why why do you allow something like swinging on a three zero pitch? To so set you off. What kind of an example does that set? You know, what would the what would, what would the captain do? What would Jeter do? Blame it on somebody else. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But but how much of the argument about unwritten rules is driven by the fact that we have this massive media machine? Because when Bob Gibson was playing, everybody knew it was going to happen, and now we have we have anticipation of the fights that are going to happen because somebody brushed back Manny Machado last week. And now he's playing that team in their city this week. I, I blame Robert Ventura. I don't think, I, honestly, I think the media has fun with it. You know, that's probably more just entertainment on the other side. I don't think you that, think these 20 year old guys are not looking at their social media and reading this stuff. You think they don't hmm. subscribe to those guys and watch every bit of this? Yeah, that, that's true. That We do have a trolling culture right now and not just you know people do try to incite players i just read that lebron got into it with a fan 
yesterday after the Celtics beat the Cavs. Well, that's because Le- LeBron sucked last night. I mean, he, he that did. fan was well, probably right. right. He probably was, but oh yeah, yeah. But but you know, it is an unprecedented level of communication when your average fans can interact in a fairly meaningful way with athletes and, and really uh, antagonize them. Uh, to, I mean, for me, to hilarious effect. Probably more on a 24-hour cycle. I mean, I when I look at and read about baseball back in the early 20th century, the players lived in the same town. The fans were right on top of you. There was a lot of interaction. So I don't think that's ever even really changed. I just think the, the entertainment industry has expanded so much. In reality, I, I don't think that Mattingly went out there and tried to tear the other manager's head off because he saw something on MLB tonight. I don't, I don't think that happened. No, I think Mattingly has this issue. MLB tonight makes money off that issue, but I don't think that's why Mattingly did it. But you don't think that team has an information officer that is feeding that stuff to Mattingly and saying, this is the way you should approach this, that you should go out and argue this or incite. Not a fight? Mattingly. He's, he's been there. He's done that. I don't no. think that's necessary. No, I don't. I dude, that's a weird. No, I don't think there's some information officer going. Okay, well, you know, I, we need you to. Our ratings are down. We need you to get out there and try to tear that guy's head really? off. Really, you don't think that? Uh, no, I don't. I, I do. I, I I absolutely do not believe that Don Mattingly if, has. If they who, don't, they soon will. Well, maybe. I mean, Tim Tebow. We we talked about yeah, Tim exactly. Tebow, right? It is uh, a business. I I just. <laughs> it, it, at the end of the day, it is, it's all about money. It is a business. I don't think that's a way that you you build a business. Like, frankly, in Major League Baseball, I that think team that team is clearly not playing to win. I don't know about that. I think what baseball needs to do is to help people understand the game and create other avenues for people to get in. I don't think violence is going to pull more people into baseball. I just don't think so. Um, in fact, you look at hockey, and hockey has actually reduced the violence, and the the sport is continuing to get more and more popular. I do think they need to do a better job of getting people involved in the statistics. Like, if I have to hear one fucking more thing about launch angle, I'm gonna just my head's gonna explode. But I do think it's the right <laughs> the right way to kind of help introduce the game to different people. You know, I heard a great thing. I was listening to the Sabre conference uh, that's going on in Phoenix, and they were talking about how statistics actually helps people get into the game. They talked about fantasy baseball, which is, you know, one of the things we talked about, but also in terms of how statistics now, statistics is perceived to favor the pitchers. But what is happening is the statistics now are starting to favor the batters because batters are changing their approach to hitting the ball to get the ball up in the air and into the outfield where there's a higher percentage of the ability to drop. And what they're saying is that if the sport can figure out how to market some of that, they got into some of the defensive metrics and could people get interested in that? Because, you know, um, uh, how do you make a game entertaining that has a total of one minute and 37 seconds of action in it, but it takes three hours to get that one minute and 37 seconds. I have two words for that. Uh, the pirates do it all the time. It's Uriah Heap, you know, after the game. <laughs> Who cares if the game is boring if I know that I'm going to get to see uh, stealing performed live by Uriah Heap? Or Don Mattingly arguing on media about anything. 
Well, but you know, to Joe's point, and I, I hear what both you you guys, all three of you are saying, but I think one of the you know, I think the media certainly certainly has to compete with all the trolling and all the online stuff. And so they certainly must ask these pointed questions to Mattingly or to LeBron, because LeBron, after getting into the confrontation with the fan, was asked about it by a reporter in the locker room and got pissed off at the at the reporter. You know, the feuds of the of bygone eras were in the you know, pre free agency days when right. teams were mostly the same and there wasn't a right. lot of roster turnover. Right. right. But now and, and so you develop some really legitimate rivalries about, you know, teams who truly disliked each other. And it was the same twenty of twenty five guys on the roster who who had liked each other or disliked each other for years. The Pirates and the Phillies were a team from my childhood and they genuinely disliked each other in the 70s, and it was a lot of the same guys. They, the rosters change so frequently now, so that it's almost it's a, a manufacturing of of rivalry. To to there's something kind of intangible missing, maybe uh, that we you know, we're, we can't quite put our finger on. As a Red Sox fan, again, the World Series in 2004. One of the the lasting images to me is Jason Veritek shoving his glove in in Aroid's face as Aroid's complaining about a pitch and we win that year and it was it was the Red Sox fans stand the Red Sox players standing up to the Yankee beast mm-hmm. and it it just meant something that year you know you you cannot create that that is not a social media thing that is nothing but pure macho bullshit I think that's the title of the episode, folks. Pure macho bullshit. I think you (laughs) named it. Um, But, you know, it's interesting. Oh, little side note. So uh, Tammy and I, for my birthday, we went to Seattle and we saw U2 uh, at CenturyLink Field. And it was was amazing. And uh, they did the entire Joshua Tree album live. um, And I just loved it. But on our Uber ride from the, the hotel to CenturyLink, fucking saw johnny damon on the street Uh, corner with his i don't know i don't know his wife whoever and uh so my wife who is uh not shy at all for all of you that know her and you know rolls down the window johnny and so got the gratuitous wave but um yeah but i was like fuck johnny damon that's what i said to my wife like fuck johnny damon like it was like oh there's johnny damon fuck johnny damon you mentioned three things I don't care about: Uber, Seattle, and Johnny Damon. <laughs> Tim, Tim, is Bono still righteously indignant about apartheid, or has he moved on to a more uh, topical subject? Uh, dude, like <laughs> talking to me about Bono in any critical way is like talking to Chris about fucking Bryce Harper. I'm an Irishman. I'm an Irishman. I love you too. I was at their. They, they own you're this gonna, club. You're going to get a in, in fastball trouble. across the eyeballs the next time you but, face them. But his little, I mean, you know, his uh, diatribes on some of those live recordings were, they don't hold up. Let's just put it that way. Uh, he, look, he's a man of conviction, and he has lived by that conviction for as long as I've listened to him. At least his public persona is. So um, I, I'm not objective well, when it I'm, comes I'm to bottom you. i'm not no I'm yeah not they still they still yeah they absolutely do in, but, but in my he, world but he can't he's not he's not he's not complaining about apartheid anymore because that's that's all over what what's his new issue now is he was he railing about trump or what what was his thing what was he so we were there it was on mother's day I, I, when, 
part of the show yeah. really uh, talked a lot about women and just you know um, they're actually they did it they did a just a phenomenal with the kind of the multimedia uh, really putting up throughout history some of the greatest uh, you know women in history and I think that's that really kind of came through. He did not. He did not do any political ranting. He, uh, uh, but I, I, he did. A, he did a great job. I mean, they are such talented performers now. So he's off of Nelson Mandela, and he's now talking about Susan B. Anthony. Is that a fair statement? <laughs> so I, I'm just curious. Are are you pro apartheid, Greg? Pro apartheid? Oh my God! Hell no. Who, who's just pro apartheid? Check. God damn. No way. Just, just check. Yeah, I mean, it's like, dude, you're from Ireland, and. Uh, you know, you're a rock singer, so let's let's just let's let's focus on. Here's the deal, funny. right? So for for he Joshua Tree is an Irishman's view of America, and uh, it was 35 years ago. It is today. the The other thing is is that Ireland, in particular, has a unique relationship with the United States, and that anybody I've met that has uh, spent any time, and I've met several people that that grew up in Ireland, right? There is a very strong connection to the United States that that there is, there is some kinship there and, you know, having grown up in Boston and (laughs) I, I think that he has a legitimate perspective, right? Exactly. So, you know, my point is for those of you that are just listening, Greg's pointing at himself emphatically, but (laughs) I, um, you know, to me, yeah, no, I, 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 I love him for who he is, man. And, and, you know, I may disagree with some things, but you know, the fact of the matter is he's true to who he is. And, and I, you know, it's one of the reasons that we're all friends, right? I think that's a common mm-hmm. theme that runs through, uh, you know, uh, at least my closest friends. So I know the four of us uh, and certainly have some other folks in the league. So what about them hijacking iTunes, though, and forced downloading that uh, that recent album onto all of us? I took that as a gift. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. I think that was like that was kind of fucking. Let's let's try some find something to be outraged about. I mean, I was like, really? You felt like you were violated? And maybe that's just an age thing for me. Like, hold on a sec. Like, it's in there. I can delete it if I want. Like, look, I got a fucking listening device. A fucking listening device. We, we all we're all being tracked. I mean, anybody who's got those you know Google things, you put the spy right in your home. I mean. What's what's it called? The uh, the Amazon's got one. Google's got one. Um. Anyway, we are so far afield right now, gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. Uh. You know what sucks? I forgot to uh to I ask Chris. I had Chris on here. I forgot to ask him. My brother was literally like run over uh, in a golf cart by Tommy Lasorda. <laughs> one time. I forgot to bring that up. Oh. <laughs> Missed opportunity, dude. Well, uh, I, we'll get how many yeah. times have we done this that we had someone on the phone and we missed oh. the opportunity? So fuck, I gotta put. That I even brought notes. it up to you, Tim, when we talked about bringing him on. I yep. said, "Oh yep. by the way, make sure we bring up the time that he got fucking run over by Tommy, <laughs> and then cussed at." Tommy cussed at him. <laughs> well, and you know, Lasorda should have been walking those holes. Uh, not riding in a golf cart. I mean, Can you believe he's still alive? Uniform. Yeah. Him and Don Zimmer, you know, had no business being in uh, baseball uniforms, which leads to the greater conversation of why are the coaching staff in uniform? I don't know. Yeah, I'll tell you why. So that they can look like that when Pedro comes and knocks you under your fat ass, right? 
Oh, you remember yeah. that when he freaking knocked I Zimmer love down? That. Hey, you know, fuck Don Zimmer. He, you go in there, you you put yourself in that situation, you get what you get coming to you. I could relate to Pedro. I once had to fight a girl when I was in sixth grade, and I was on roller skates. She wasn't, so I thought that was, that was a level playing field. <laughs> and some people may question why I would fight a girl, but she started it, and uh, you know, it was self defense. I didn't did ask you her. To come. Oh yeah. I didn't ask for the kind of packing, you know. And again, I was on roller skates. I will say that in my own defense. That's impressive. That's impressive. Fighting anyone on roller skates is impressive. I had my own skates. I was a lucky kid. Nice. Did you stand on the tips? Oh um, yeah. I, I you know after the session, I skated right out to the sidewalk and waited for my mom. And out she came charging like Don Zimmer to Pedro, and in a very similar fashion, I threw her to the ground. My mom pulled up right at the opportune moment, and I hopped in the car, and off rice cream we rolled. <laughs> and you had to find a new partner for couple skating next week. Now, she wasn't, I didn't even know her. She, she thought that I'd run over her sister's jacket sleeve with my skate, which was wrong. I hadn't. Son of a bitch. And so instead of Claire, you know, instead of talking it out like two rational human beings, she wanted to attack, and so I set her straight. It's, hey, you know, again, I, my, and my mother... My friends were like, Mrs. Crow, uh, Greg just beat up a girl. And my mom was like, what are you talking about? And I explained the situation. She's like, well, it sounds like she had to come. <laughs> Take me across the water Cause I need some place to hide I done the rancher's daughter And I showed it her
Talking about Willis, bada bing, bada boom, bada fuko. I'll be back. If I didn't pay so much for it, I'd do a mic drop. Yeah. <laughs>